Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial when you visit audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Just visit audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge. And when you do that, not only do you get the cool perks of Audible, but you support this podcast as well. And if you just heard that in the background, that's my dog trying to tell me that it's time for a walk. But in my opinion, it's time for another episode of the Teacher Recharge podcast. My name's Fred Kep. I'm the host. Let's get it started. Monday to you. It is another Monday, another week, another opportunity for you to make an extraordinary impact in your students' lives. And we have another guest that will help that along for sure, help you into the week. His name is Joel Hallbaker. He's a high school history and Bible teacher as well as a soccer coach in Alabama. And he studied at Covenant College, and he also spends time studying medieval civilizations at New College Oxford in the United Kingdom. He also is a speaker who speaks on the topics of leadership, education, and blended family life. And, yeah, I'm not done yet. I know it's pretty crazy. He is the author of a number one Amazon best-selling ebook, Extraordinary Leadership, 10 Things Dad Taught Me, and the number one Amazon best-selling book, Inverted Leadership, Lead Others Better by Forgetting About Yourself. That and so, so much more, but he touches on a lot more in the interview. It was hype. It was awesome. And by the way, I said he was a coach. He's a soccer coach. So, you know, I enjoyed this interview. You're going to love it. The energy is high. The strategies are great. Enjoy the interview with Joel Habaker. All right, everyone on the show today, another guest, another dollar, another, well, another dollar. What am I talking about? I'm trying to sound, I was trying to sound like cool, like I'm in a rap song, you know, another day, another dollar. No, but we have a fantastic guest <laughs> once again. His name is Joel. Is it Joel or Joel? That's Joel. Joel Habaker. Man, I, I asked about the last name, didn't ask about the first name. That's hilarious. That's uh, all right. How are you doing? Where are you at? And what do you do? I'm good. Thank you. I am, I'm in Alabama, uh, North Central Alabama. And at the time of this recording, it has been ugly, miserable weather here lately. So I'm thankful to be inside in the warm and the dry. Actually, it's really funny. While we're recording this, my wife and kids are playing original Mario Brothers on an 8-bit Nintendo and hey. trying not to laugh so loudly as to disturb things. So we're having a good time over here tonight. That is awesome. Sounds like a party. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as far as like, what, are, what do you do? Like as far as the education side of things and, and just in general. Yeah. So I am, I'm a high school teacher by trade. This is what I've done for, this is my 13th year. I've taught pretty much every subject that can be taught. I've taught English, science, math, history, Bible, study skills, PE, and I've taught every grade five through 12. But for the last six <laughs> years, I've taught just high school history and Bible. And that's, 
that's what my degree is in. I've got a degree in history. And uh, so I've spent a lot of my time doing that. I also coach, in addition to coaching my daughter's teams, I coach high school girls soccer. And I've been doing that for the last six years. And now I just, uh, I feel like it's a great, it's a great thing. I was listening to a podcast this morning where a guy talked about how he loves getting paid for doing what he would do anyway. And that's how I feel about teaching and coaching. Like if I just had a million bucks in the bank, this is what I would want to do anyway. I get to hang out and talk about history all day. You know, I got my old yeah. books. I got my coffee pot. Like, that's a good day. That's awesome. And in Alabama, see, our girls' season here in Kansas is about to start this next spring. Mm. Do they play it in the yeah, fall? Yeah, that's us. Or, okay, cool. So you no. play it in the- yeah, we, we play guys and girls in the spring in Alabama. That way we stay off the football field during the fall. I'm, I'm really thankful. I want to give a shameless plug to my school and my administration. I teach at a real small Christian school, and uh-huh. we just have, like, we have the stadium. That's the football mm-hmm. stadium in the fall, yeah. and it's soccer in the spring and we play all of our games on that field. We practice mostly on that field. And I I work at one of these, I would say probably one of the few schools in Alabama where the administration cares about every sport equally. Like they really do. Yeah. Yeah, Baseball's real big. Basketball's real big. Football's real big. You know, the football team's been good. They made the playoffs last couple of years. Baseball team's always good. Soccer's only been there for about nine years. I think this is our 10th year, but we've become pretty good as well. And I'm just really thankful to work at a school that isn't only focused on the revenue sports. Mm -hmm. Like our, our golf team has won three or four state titles, you know, our track teams are like everything we do, we're pretty good at. And I think that's because the admin really does care about everybody. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a great place to work. So for all the teachers out there, like the, for me, the biggest decision when finding a teaching job is who are your admins going to be and how they're going to treat you. Like that's a, that's a big part of it. So I'm really thankful to work at a place where it's easy to brag on my admin team because they're just awesome. It's always a really big help though. I'm looking at your, your bio right now and Mm -hmm. there, I mean, this sparks so many questions, just so (laughs) many things here that are so cool. So thank you. You studied medieval civilizations at New College Oxford in the United Kingdom. Let's let's start with that. Okay. What, I don't know. Like, what was your experience there as, a, as opposed to like <laughs> learning there and learning in the U.S.? Well, that's a great, thank you for asking about that. That's, that was one of the cooler things I've ever been able to do. I felt very blessed. The, uh, the scholarship I had as an undergraduate was at Covenant College. So it's a little Presbyterian school on top of Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Chattanooga, Tennessee area. So the scholarship I had there paid for me to do a semester abroad. And so I was able to go and study at Oxford during what's called the Hillary term. So they do three major terms per year. And the Hillary term is basically January to March. Mm -hmm. And so I was there January to March 2002. And medieval civ was my primary focus because I was a history major. And so that was great because uh, studying history here was brilliant. I chose history by default. I chose history by avoiding the crap I didn't want to take. And I got very blessed because at Covenant, they had three history professors at the time, and all three of them were just brilliant storytellers. And I fell in love with it. And then I got this opportunity to go study medieval Civ in a town that's 2,000 years old. And so, like, the, the college I studied at at New College uh, well, you know, because there, there are parts of Oxford where you can find bits of stuff from, from Roman times. And so even the main part of Oxford is a thousand years old. So I went and I studied at what's called New College. And I just found out tonight, I wish I'd known this when I was there, J.R.R. Tolkien's son, Christopher, mm-hmm. actually was a professor at New College for a while. And that's pretty cool. I wish I'd known that when I was there. I'd have gone and checked out some of his stuff. But what was great is that the, 
the garden at New College. So you have the library and outside the library, the New College Gardens, the gardens are surrounded by this giant old stone wall. And th- that wall was part of the original city wall for Oxford. Those walls are a thousand years old. Oh my gosh. So like, so I'd go to the library and I'd sit in there and I'd be working on a paper and I'd walk out of the library and it was like walking onto a Hollywood movie set for Robin Hood or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I love, I grew up watching the Disney version of Robin Hood. I've read a bunch of Robin Hood stories. Like I love the whole idea of, of Robin Hood. And so to go and study at this place that had a Robin Hood feel to it was just a, a huge bonus. It's also one of the things that we can't do much of here in Alabama. Yeah. You can't really study medieval civ and then walk down the road and look at it. Right. Well, it, at Oxford, you can because it's right there. I got to travel up to London a couple times. Uh, my roommate and I, while I was there, we traveled up to Scotland for the weekend. You know, we went to we did the touristy stuff. We went to the Cotswolds and we went to Stonehenge and we went to Bath and we went to the the Jane Austen Museum. We went to Stratford on Avon and went to the Shakespeare Theater and all that stuff. But also got to uh, you know got to go to a lot of uh, museum and sightseeing. I played on a couple soccer teams while I was there. I played for the New College first and second eleven, and it was just man, it was an experience that was unlike anything else. It was really uh, just an amazing opportunity to get to do that. Uh, I got really good at writing while I was there. And what I mean by that is uh, being able to produce quality work in a short period of time because their, their tutorial system is different. So like my primary tutorial met once a week and every week I had a five page paper to write. And so I'd meet with my professor one-on-one and he would say, okay, here's a, here's a list of books, go read five or six of them, write me a five page paper by next week. And my secondary tutorial was the same thing, but it meant every two weeks and it was a 10 page paper. Mm-hmm. And so I had 10 pages of work to write every single week. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I would write it, I'd go sit down with a professor and he would have a copy of my paper and I'd have a copy and I had to read it out loud to him while he was sitting there reading it on the paper. Oh, and, wow. he, and, and then he would, and then we'd talk about it and then he would give me the next assignment. And so the thing is I got really good at writing good papers because like, I mean, you know, it, every teacher knows if you want to make your students have better work, let them know ahead of time, they're going to have to present it in front of the class. Right. And, and and now multiply that times having to present it to an Oxford professor one-on-one yeah. because then there's, <laughs> there's no social peer pressure of, Oh, he won't embarrass me in front of the class. There's no class. It's just you. It's if you write crappy work, he's going to tell you this isn't very good. Try again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was, I mean, it was a cool experience. I would love to take my family back there and visit. It was just, it was an incredible, incredible opportunity to get to do and experience things that I couldn't over here. You know, I worked a couple jobs while I was there. I worked in a little grocery store. I waited tables at a fancy restaurant. And I just tried to get the whole experience of living overseas during the three months that I was there. There's a really cool, really cool thing to get to do. Yeah, that is that is very unique, very cool. And not something that very many people could say that they have done or even <laughs> been able to, to, to do at that high of a level. So respect for that. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was uh, pretty neat. Next thing I kind of wanted to bring up, there, well, I, I would like to get into the actual interview pretty quick here, but uh, <laughs> I just have a couple other questions. So first yeah, off, sure. it looks like you're a speaker yep. uh, and you talk about leadership, education and blended family life. So Correct. So what does a typical presentation for Joel look like? What well, it really depends on the venue and the topic. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I went to her alma mater, which is uh, University of Montevallo outside of Birmingham. Okay. And I gave a presentation to a group of honors program freshman. And it was about a 45 minute speech. And I just gave them, you know, some basic principles of leadership. The, the three topics you mentioned that I talk about are the, the way that I approach them is to start with a very high level view and then kind of work my way back down. And so a lot of what I talk about is mindset, 
or the philosophy of whether it's leadership, education, or blended family life. And then we very quickly work that into very practical steps. Right. So that's kind of what it looks like is you, you know, I, I give the high level view of things and then we talk about how it applies. And then I try to give some time at the end to do Q and A because I know that no matter what the presentation is, there's somebody out there who has a question that I wasn't able to address in the time allotted. I'm actually really excited because about a week after we do this recording, I'll be at a, a conference in Orlando, Florida, presenting on blended family life. So I'm divorced and remarried, married for eight and a half years and then divorced for a few years and, and I'm remarried. My ex-wife is also remarried. Her and her husband have a little toddler boy and I've got two girls from my first marriage. Mm-hmm. And so my girls go back and forth each week. And so I mean, that's blended family life. And so that's one right. of the topics okay. I talk about is, you know, just trying to help people understand how to do blended family life better than we often see it done. Because every teacher's heard horror stories about yeah. kids' home lives, Definitely. parents being angry and fighting. And, and, and so uh, I've been very fortunate that my wife and my ex-wife and her husband, we all really try to work well together to uh-huh. raise our kids together. So the presentation is actually called Four Parents, Two Houses. Okay. And the whole, the whole idea is how do we work together to raise these kids well? And so at this presentation in Florida, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a high-level view of it. We're going to talk about some practical steps, and then we're going to break up into small groups and do some case studies. So I've, I've talked with a number of friends that are from blended families and gotten some of their specifics, and I'm going to change the names, obviously, and then say, okay, so in this situation where you've got a parent here and a parent here, and you've got kids from both families, and they have different schedules – take these principles that we just talked about and apply them and then give me a best case scenario of what that looks like and a worst case scenario of what it looks like if you don't apply these principles. Okay. And then we're going to talk about it as a big group. And so the idea there is to, to get some good principles across and to also get people really thinking about the implications of what they say and the end results of their choices. Mm-hmm. You know, as a history guy, I'm real big on looking at things like cause and effect and change over time. And so in the classroom, I want to teach kids not just the history content, but to apply the lessons they've learned. And right. one, of those, one of the big things of that is just learning the lesson of prudence. And a lot of people don't talk about prudence anymore, but I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. Yeah. And in the, book, in, in the book, Mere Christianity, he talks about the four cardinal virtues from the ancient world, one of which is prudence. And it's just, it's thinking about the consequences of your actions. Right. Well, that's a huge thing that honestly, like I wasn't great at when I was a kid. And I would argue that, that teenagers today are even less good at. And that's something, so it's something we need to work on in the classroom. And it's something I try to work on on my presentations as well. So I love doing that kind of stuff. I enjoy getting to do those presentations at at different places. It's a lot of fun. Wow. Well, that is, that's fantastic. And, And just so everyone listening knows, this is actually, we're recording this on a Monday and he is like energetic as all get out. So with that said, this, you know, this podcast is about helping teachers start their week off with that sort of energy. So what are you doing, you know, before Monday or on a Monday to make sure that you hit the classroom or you hit the soccer field to coach with that type of energy? Yeah, that's a great question. I've got a 45 minute commute to and uh, to my school every morning. And so on the way there, I listen to books that I love or podcasts like this one that I really enjoy. And then right before I get to school, I normally put on some music that I like. Uh, a lot of times it's praise and worship music. A lot of days it's something by you too. Because uh, I love that band. And so a lot of what happens is I'm walking into my school with my head, with my earbuds in, and I'm listening to and singing along with some kind of music that I like. And, and it just gets me, it gets me pumped. It gets me energized. And so the kids kind of know if you get to school early enough, you'll walk by Coach Hallbaker's room, <laughs> you'll hear him singing from the hallway. 
That's because awesome. like if, if I'm singing, I don't care who's around. If my door's closed and you can hear me, feel free to chuckle. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Hey, um, so that's something that I love to do is, is just play some music that gets me in a, in a very excited mood. So okay. that's something I do on a pretty regular basis. Sweet. That kind of leads fairly well into my next question, which is what is something unique that you're doing that other teachers might not be doing? Of course, there is a lot to go with that, though, obviously, just by your <laughs> bio. But like, what is something that makes you you? Well, I, the, the singing in the class is pretty good. That's something that I don't shy away from. It's actually really fun to every now and then just to bust out in song in the middle of class just <laughs> to wake the kids up or, or you know, get them interested in what we're doing. Another another thing that I do a lot of the time is when the kids are coming in and when they leave, I prop my door open and I stand by the door and I give every kid a high five on the way in mm-hmm. and a high five on the way out, which means I go through a lot of um, hand sanitizer because if I'm high fiving 60 or 75 kids a day, that's a lot of germs. And the older I've gotten, the more of a germaphobe I've become. So I go through hand sanitizer a pretty good bit. But that's something I love doing. And even on days when the kids have been frustrating and they're not mad at me because they got a bad test score or I got onto them for talking, even on those days, I make sure to give kids a high five so that they know that when they leave, I'm not mad at them. I'm not, I, we, I, we haven't broken our relationship. I, I still care about you enough to say, hey, have a good day or have a good weekend. And, and I'll give you a high five as you're leaving because I want you to know that I care about you. And so that's something that I do on a regular basis. And it's just a lot of fun. The kids know. And so like if there's, if there's days where when the bell rings, I'm sitting at my desk for whatever reason, and I, I don't make it to the door before the kids leave, they'll stand there and wait till I come over there to give them a high five. Yeah. Like most kids won't leave with that high five because they know that's how you leave the classroom. If you don't have a high five, you don't leave. That is so cool. That is amazing, man. Like I, I just love that, that idea. I love how you're not afraid to be you. And that goes on to onto your students too and into your students' lives and, and players' lives too, which is amazing. But so we're going to take a real quick break. Thank a sponsor. We'll be right back. For you, the listeners of the Teacher Recharge podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Whenever I have a guest on the show, I ask them for a recommendation. So, Joel, what is your recommendation for Audible? Uh, My recommendation for Audible would be The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien or anything by C.S. Lewis. Classics. I love it. Going straight to the classics. That's super respectable and super awesome. Well, if you would like to get your free audiobook version of The Hobbit or anything by C.S. Lewis, that's all good. You can do that. Or you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge to get that free audiobook and free 30-day trial. By doing that, you're supporting the podcast and you're going to be supporting Audible as well. And we are back on the interview with Joel Habaker. So it is my favorite time of the year, of the episode, of the week, of every anything. It's just my favorite time. It is story time. That's the part of the show where I give it over to the guests and they just tell me a story and they tell you a story. So you know what? You can put, you can put your Snuggie on. If you're in that, if you're in that, but if you're on your way to to school, hopefully this is a story that helps you, helps you along into the week. So Joel, the floor is yours. 
Hey, thanks. So I actually had a couple different ideas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one story that just makes my heart happy. So I've got, uh, I've got two daughters, and we talked about soccer season being in the spring here. My younger daughter's birthday often coincides with one of our early season soccer games. Mm-hmm. And a couple years ago, we happened to have a game the night that my daughter had her birthday. And uh, I didn't realize it until, I mean, like a week before the game. And so we're, we're at the soccer tournament, and we're getting warmed up. And my wife shows up with our daughters and she comes to, uh, she comes to the soccer game and I had told my players that it was my daughter's birthday and, and my soccer players have been wonderful about building good relationships with my kids and, and my kids love them and, and, and the kids, the, the players have been good to my daughters. And so what they did is in between uh, or right in the middle of warmups, when my soccer players realized that my daughters were there, they immediately stopped warming up and ran over to the fence by the field and just completely impromptu. They sang happy birthday to my to my oh younger my daughter. Gosh. And it was beautiful. My wife recorded part of it on, uh, on her phone. So we, you know, we put it up on our team's website and that sort of thing. And it just makes me happy because it's one, of the, it's one of those great moments where my professional world and my personal world became the same world. And it's something that I'm thankful for that my, my soccer players have always been really good to my kids. Actually, it's funny. While we've been recording this, one of my former players showed up to hang out with my family tonight. So oh, uh, she cool. came in wearing the same sweatshirt that I wore to school yesterday, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> Super so you know, just that kind of stuff, like that's that's what being a teacher is all about, is forming relationships with kids that go far beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really glad to see when my kids and my soccer players get along really well. That's something that just makes me happy. I'm I'm glad to be able to, to have that kind of situation where where they can they can be good to each other and enjoy time together. The other thing I really thought about in terms of a story is I've got a couple of guys that I taught years ago who were these gigantic football players mm-hmm. who were intelligent kids but not known for their essay writing. Right. Well, that's one of the things I focus on in my history classes is essay writing. And at the end of my semester, the last two tests kids take is just essays. So it's a big fat essay test, right? And on one of these tests, these two guys had, again, they'd been working on their essays all semester. They'd been slowly getting better and slowly getting better. And these are, again, these are both great football players. I think one of them is playing in college. The other one I think is in the military now. Mm-hmm. And they took this test and I stayed up late getting them graded. I brought them back in the next day and I gave these kids their test back and both of them had gotten A's mm-hmm. and they couldn't believe it. Like, so I gave them their test back and these two giant football players jumped up out of their desks, started dancing and chest bumping <laughs> and high-fiving each other like they just scored a touchdown in a playoff game. <laughs> And it was just, it was one of my happiest moments as a teacher because I thought that's what it's all about for them is experiencing the same kind of success in the classroom that they've experienced, you know, on the athletic field. And it's just one of the, you know, it's a cool moment to look back on and think that was a great day because those kids saw what they were capable of. They saw what they could do. And, you know, again, it's, it's those kind of moments that teachers really live for is, is seeing the aha moment or seeing the kids be encouraged and rewarded for the work that they've put in. And uh, man, that was just a great day. And I know that other teachers have similar stories about that kind of stuff. And I encourage you on, on your frustrating days, remember those moments to, to encourage you. This is why we do what we do because we, because we live for those little moments. And, and it's just a, it's a great thing to remember them. Sometimes it's easy to forget them in the midst of grading less good essays, right? Uh, exactly. which also happens. Definitely. A couple of things you said kind of got me thinking about a couple other things though. Like for, for example, you said you want them to experience the same success that they have on the f- football field as they do. In, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, and you want them to have that same success in the classroom. And I think so many coaches don't 
understand that that part of the game or that part of of their job especially i mean you're a high school coach it's so much more than just the sport you're coaching right like it's yeah. so much yep. bigger than that and you know this this was actually my first year as a as a head coach here in in Wichita and awesome. i'm at a i'm at a school where it's it's an urban school it's a public school and mm-hmm. uh, probably not the best funded school in the world and a lot of the kids that i coach like I had, I think, I want to say seven or eight seniors this year, uh, three that were on my varsity team. The amount of resources that they didn't have, like they didn't understand that it was actually possible for them to go to college. I think I've mentioned yeah. it in prior episodes that I, I had a student that told me, uh, I, I said, oh, well, do you want to go to college? And he was like, oh, I don't think I can. You know, funding's not going to be there. My, my I, I I don't think I'm good enough to play at the college level. And I said, yo, man, okay, like, so how many other people in your family have gone to college? Well, none. <laughs> okay. And you're Hispanic. Okay. And uh, you're, so you're a first generation Hispanic kid that has really good grades. And you are, I mean, you're on a varsity team. You're one of the captains on a varsity team at one of the best soccer programs in, in Kansas. Why do you think you can't go to college? Like, right. you know, like you're yeah. basically yep. a gold mine. So, like, yeah. yep. And he has video and stuff because we we've given them that those resources. So it's one of those yeah. things where, like, seeing those kind of things happen and yeah. and being a yep. part of that is so important. Just to yep. realize that, look, it's not all about soccer. These kids, right. yep. some of them need that. They need yeah. that push. They need that mentorship, which is amazing to hear yep. that that you're having that impact on your students' lives. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to get to do. Like, you're exactly right. It's, a, it's about a lot more than just the game. I, I tell our kids the beginning of every season, if, if the only thing you've learned from me is how to make a better run or how to be a better defender or, or how to, you know, shape a pass properly in the final third, like, that's not actually good enough. If that's mm-hmm. all you've learned from me, I wasted your time. Because right. you're not going to be a soccer player for much longer. Even if you play in college, you're going to be a soccer player for four more years. Yeah, that's it. I mean, just st- statistically, you're not going pro, and I don't mean that as a knock, but let's let's call a spade a spade. You're yeah. going to be a person a lot longer than you're going to be a soccer player. Definitely. I need to help you become a better person, not just a better soccer player. And that's kind of what we try to. You know, we we still want to be good, and we, we've been very blessed. In the past four years, my girls' team has been to two quarterfinals and two state finals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been Congrats. really blessed to be good, but it's also one of those where we look back and we go, I'm proud of that, but I'm, e- I'm even more proud of the fact that most of our kids have gone on to college, whether they're playing or not, they're furthering their education or they've joined the military or whatever it is, they are productive adults. Like, that's what I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not just, I'm not just happy about our success on the field. I'm proud to see them do great stuff off the soccer field. Definitely. You know? That is amazing to hear a coach with that good of a, of a philosophy and that good of a view. Cause I thought I was the only one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah. No, I, I kind of just want to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> not on I, the podcast. You that's know? right. But I'd love to take a lot of credit for that, but I would, uh, for any of your teachers out there who are also coaches and mm-hmm. want to learn more about that stuff, you need to pick up a book called the Messiah method by Michael Zigarelli. He's a professor at Messiah College up in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and he's written a couple books that I've got. Both are really good. One is called The Messiah Method, and the other one is called Soccer Field, Mission Field. And they're both, neither one of them is about the X's and O's of coaching. They're yeah. both about culture building and program building, and they're both brilliant, 
brilliant stuff. Also, Mike Zigarelli, he's just a nice guy. I've connected with him on social media, emailed with him a few times. The coaches at Messiah College are very personable. I've called a couple of them up at different times. And, you know, I'm a nobody from Alabama. Like, they don't know me. But yeah. They took my phone calls and spent half an hour on the phone with me or answered my emails or whatever. And because these guys, for them, it's not about just winning soccer games. It's about creating better people. And the way that they do that also causes a lot of success on the field. Like Messiah College has won something like 15 national titles in the past 20 years between their girls programs. I mean, they're, they're absurdly successful. Yeah. And they don't do that by only focusing on winning. They do that by focusing on creating good people. So check out those books. They're great. They're good stuff. Dude, I mean, we might even have to try and reach out and to get Mike on the uh, on the podcast. Oh, he's he's awesome. I've heard him on a couple of other podcasts. I've heard him interviewed. He he's really good. That would be really cool. <coughs> well, hey, we are about out of time. So if people want to reach you, where can they do that? Where can they get in contact? Where can they ask questions? All that good stuff. Yeah, please, I would love to hear from uh, from your listeners. You can find me on social media on Facebook. I'm Joel W Hallbaker. You can find me on LinkedIn at Joel Hallbaker. You can find me on Twitter at Real Life Leading, or you can come to my website. It's, uh, it's very easy. It's reallifeleading.com. You can also find my books on Amazon. Uh, I got an ebook called Extraordinary Leadership, 10 Things My Dad Taught Me. And then I have a, also a paperback and ebook. It's, well, it's, it's available in both. It's another book. It's called Inverted Leadership. Lead others better by thinking less about yourself. And so, yeah, those are, those are great ways to find me. And again, I would love to hear from your listeners. Let me know how I can help you. Let me know how I can serve you. And I'm, I'm really glad to do that kind of stuff. Awesome. I will put a link in the description to all of that good stuff. So if you want to reach him, it has never been easier everybody out there. So if you or someone you know would be good for this podcast, go ahead and email me, teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. That's once again, that is teacherrechargepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find out more about what I speak about when I go to schools, you can go to fredmotivates.com and learn about the love and success approach to leadership. With that said, Joel, this has been an absolute pleasure and uh, we appreciate it. Hey, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. I've had a great time. Again, let me know how I can be of service to you and your audience in the future, and I really appreciate you giving me the chance to come on and share a little bit. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. We are almost at the end of the show, but first, our weekly challenge. Last week, I mentioned I wanted to give a challenge per week that could give you a tip, a strategy, a mindset to take into the week, and it would be based on kind of the moral of the episode. And one thing Joel was extremely adamant about is being himself. You know, he said he he sings before classes and he doesn't care who hears and stuff. So that is my challenge for the week. I want you to just, with reckless abandon, be yourself, because when you do that, you show your students that it is okay to go out and do things that you want to do and be yourself. So go lead by example this week. Have fun. Be yourself. And let me know how it goes. Teacher Recharge Podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week. Peace.